Welcome to the Peak Community Church Podcast, where weekly messages are available for your hearing. Now can I continue? That's right. That's right. So uh, Sunday school becomes the preamble for membership. So if you're interested in becoming a member, we encourage you to go first through the first things first, lay down those foundations, get that real understanding, and then that'll prepare you to then uh, receive the membership class, which will only be a couple of hours um, regarding the actual tenets of, of AG. Uh, we are an Assemblies of God church, part of the General Council of AG, um, national uh, organization, one of the largest... And so, but we don't get caught up on those denominational things. Uh, that's why we went with the Peak Community Church. We are a community church. Amen? Okay. So, continuing on our sermon series in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians. How many people enjoyed last week's message? Huh? Walking in unity. We're all part of the same team. And we may have different functions on that team. We've got to work as a team. And remember that the chain is only as strong as it's... Oh, now you're preaching. You remember the chain's only as strong as its weakest link. And so therefore, if you're part of this chain and you know that objectively you have a job to do and there's a link that's within that chain, uh, is it not to our benefit to be able to help support that? Yes? Yes. Hallelujah. And so we began to walk in unity. Hallelujah. Oscar, I keep clicking on and off, so I believe the battery's starting to go. So in that team, Paul explains that certain gifts have been given to each individual player. But before he does... Ah, by His grace, I am back. So if you would open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 through 10. 7 through 10, we're going to start. Amen? Uh, And so the Word of God says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, He says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, O God, for your word, your never-changing Always, O Father God, alive, 
sharper than any two-edged sword, O Lord, able to pierce up to the division of soul and spirit, bone and marrow. We thank you, God, for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would make it plain and clear to us this morning. Give us the anointing of your Holy Spirit to, to reveal all things. Pray, O oh Father God, this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. So, Paul, speaking about these this grace and the gifts that were given, decided to quote an Old Testament book, King David, in the 68th Psalm. And, and so he quotes this 68th Psalm, which says, uh, 68 verse 18, You have ascended on high, you have led captivity captive, you have received gifts among men, even from the rebellious, that the Lord God might dwell there. Its original context, the, the, this 68th Psalm is a Psalm of praise that, that begins by describing God's victory over Israel's enemies and defeating evil at Mount Bashan. Now, in the minds of, of the Canaanites and the Israelites, the Mount of Bashan was actually the place or the gateway of the underworld. That's, that's what they thought. These mountains at Mount Bashan were these huge, tall mountains, and it was multiple of them. And for whatever reason in, in the thought or in the mind of the Canaanite and Israelites, this, this seemed to have been the, uh, the, the gateway towards the underworld. Paul speaks of this particular passage about Mount, Mount uh, Bashan in, in light of the uh, Messianic prophecy. He gives reference to Jesus Christ being the one who, who made the ascension and to express Christ's victory over the evil powers. He says that it's obvious that if he first, that if he ascended, if, if you went up, you must, you first must have what? Come down. And, and there are various interpretations of this coming down, this descent into the lower parts of the earth. And, and some of them, some people may interpret this and speak of that, of, of, of Jesus, the third part of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that the Son, Yeshua, uh, 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 the Logos, the Word of God, became flesh and dwelt among us, and so that He actually left and took off the, the cloaks of divinity to put on the garments of humanity and that the Creator came and stepped down from heaven and became like one of us and walked among us. And so we know that that's actual interpretation in regards that He descended, not just to come here upon the earth, but that He descended into Sheol, Hades. Do you know where Sheol and Hades are? No. Well, here... Theologically, let me just preface this. Hell, hell, hell fire, the lake of fire is still not in existence. That's to come. That's for the judgment, the white throne judgment. That's when the demonic forces that get cast out into the lake of fire, all of those who rejected God and were rebellious into their self-will, guess where they're going? Lake of fire. But that's non-existent right now. And so all of the righteous before Jesus Christ, from Abel to Adam, Moses, Joseph, they all went into a place called like Abraham's bosom. This is Hades or Sheol. This is the underworld or the realm of the dead. The Bible describes Jesus as, as, as descending 
into these places and rapturing the keys of Hades. And what the Bible says in a prophetic uh, messianic prophecy is that Jesus came and he led the captivity captive. That all of those that were righteous dead, he was able to take those keys of Hades, overcome the adversary and bring forth then the resurrection power and release all of those into God's eternal glory. Paul, quoting Psalm, the 16th Psalm, King David speaking, says this in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 26 through 33. David speaking, Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You've made known to me the way of life. You make me full of joy in your presence. And Paul then addresses in, in the book of Acts and says, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he both is dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne, he, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ. That his soul was not left in Hades, nor his flesh to see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we, you and I, and all of those prior to us, are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this, which you now see and hear. And so the notion supports that Jesus descended to Sheol, to Hades, to release the righteous dead into eternal glory, proclaiming the adequacy of the atonement and validating the testimonies of the prophets. He led captivity captive. Those who were in captivity imprisoned by death and i would just want to speak frankly here because there's many of us that we're coming from captivity there's many of us who have been shackled down and oppressed by the adversary led to led in in a life of fear and anxiety of depression captive within our own selves and Jesus is saying, man, I have come down to let the captivity. And what does he lead them? He leaves the captivity captive. He captivates us with his love. He captivates us with his grace. He captivates us with the willingness and the ability to anoint us with his Holy Spirit. Oh my God, when I think of all of the things that I have done and said, and to think of the grace that you poured out upon that cross, that I may be able to know you and live for you. We don't love him like just, just for the love... The Bible says that we love Him because He first 
loved us. He showed us His love by His sacrifice. He showed us our value by pouring it out on the cross of Calvary. That's taking my captivity and now He leads me captive. We're set free now. Captivated by His love. Hallelujah. And He does this out of brokenness. He does this out of brokenness. He takes broken things and makes them new. He, he takes broken things and makes them new. He takes that which was imprisoned, that which was hell bound, that which was shackled within sin and sets it free. And then all of these hell bound sinners turned into saints living righteous lives, proclaiming his truth and, and, and shining his light. Hallelujah. That got me to thinking as I was studying this out. I was saying, Lord, give me, fill me, fill me with the word. Give me a fresh revelation for your church. And this is what he gave me. How many, how many people have ever, you know, you're, you're drinking and, and maybe you've got a nice coffee cup or a nice mug or a nice little plate. When was the last time you actually, something actually, maybe you're washing it. Maybe you're trying to serve something and trying to serve a dish at a party and, It broke. It shattered. It's all over the place. How do you feel? Sometimes, if you're anything like me, I feel frustrated. I feel annoyed. Um, And and, and what what does this become? Where does it go? Imagine. Imagine that then this was shattered right out of your hands. Butterfinger. I would tell my. Uh, uh, manos de mantequilla when we play football that's what I'll call them manos de mantequilla butterfingers he, he uh, imagine if, if what you had was an heirloom you know one of those sets of dishes that were passed down from generation to generation and so this was like great grandmas and you'll never be able to replace that you, you can't get that set I mean there's a value to that that goes beyond the value of just the plate How do you feel then? And you got to throw that out. Perhaps you feel a sense of waste. I, I, I can't even, I can't even get this back. Interesting in Japan, instead of tossing those pieces out in the garbage, there's a, there's a 500 year old art form that's not just an art form, but it's also a philosophy for them. Um, look at the person next to you. And in your best Japanese accent, I want you to say, Kintsugi! Kintsugi! I like it! <laughs> it's a Kintsugi! Kintsugi! It, it, it's, it's actually, or uh, also known as, golden joinery. Golden joinery. And it's a method of restoring broken pieces with a lacquer. That, that, that's mixed in with precious dust of, of gold and silver and platinum. And so they get this kind of glue and this lacquer and they mix it with these precious metals and then they begin to piece by piece together and glue it with these precious metals. And it's called kintsugi. It's the embracing of the flawed or the imperfect. 
highlighting the cracks and repairs as simply an event in the life of an object rather than allowing its service to end at the time of its damage or, or brokenness. It adds beauty, a, a defining purpose in the object, adding value to it rather than taking it away. As a philosophy, it treats breakage and repair as part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise. It's a, it's a philosophy of not, re, not of replacement, but of awe, of reverence, of restoration. The gold-filled cracks of a once-broken item are a testament to its history. And there it is, restored, adding more value, adding the story to it of its past, and repurposing it for usefulness. Amen? Let's read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16 as we conclude the message. Hmm. And he himself, God himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. Somebody say perfect. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. In the cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow in all things into him who is the head, Christ. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I don't know. Up here. Let's say, let's say most people that would eventually come into church, just, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down. Most people that, that would wind up, you know, coming into church for the first time ever, right? What, what would you say? Lives are whole or lives broken? Whole, broken. Eh. Most, most people come because of brokenness, because they need some answers, because crisis may have hit their life. Maybe they're faced with a life and death situation and, and they need some answers. Maybe, maybe they finally got to that place that they're able to say, I can't do this on my own. I need some help. Now, now, if the Bible says that God himself gave the church gifts, if, if, if God himself gave these gifts, you think these gifts are important or not important? Important or not important? What do you got? Important. These gifts are important. They're important for the church. These gifts are the form of ministerial offices that we share. These aren't spiritual kind of gifts of, of the discernment or the speaking of tongues. No, these are ministerial offices administrative positions in order to govern the church the the first one he mentions is apostles and it refers to those who are sent out by christ to speak and act with special authority eyewitnesses of the living christ church planters someone that has uh, uh, um, been given an authority to go out and establish 
taking territory for the kingdom. Prophets refer to those who are designated by God to speak on his behalf. So whenever you're prophesying, you're speaking forth what within the heart and the will of God. That's prophecy. Evangelist refers to those who are designated by God to speak uh, 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 to, to speak the truth of the gospel and call others to live by Jesus' standards. That's what an, evangel- uh, an evangelist is. He, he proclaims the truth of the gospel and then calls out the standard. This is how we ought to live. This is who we should be reflecting. Amen? And then pastors refers to those who care for and protect the church. Literally means shepherd. Look at uh, 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 the farming vision of it. Viewing the congregation. Say, ma. Because you are God's sheep. You are God's sheep. And he's saying you're his flock. And so he's given a pastor to tend and cultivate and protect the flock. You know, the pastor used to sit out, uh, you know, at the night they used to corral all of the sheep together to a gated area. And that one um, opening on that gated area where, where sheep would be able to go in and out. But guess who else would be able to go in and out? Wolves. Guess where the pastor would sleep? Right at that, right at that gate. He'd set up his post, he'd, he'd lay there, ain't nobody getting in or out without my authority. This is what the pastor does. You hungry? He feeds. You're dirty? He cleans. You're hairy? He cuts and trims and shaves. So y'all better watch out when I come up in here with my shears. <laughs> Get a fresh cut, lace you up real nice. And then teacher, and, and many people um, associate teachers uh, with pastors or almost kind of bring them as one because it indicates those who faithfully pass on the teachings of Christ and the apostles, especially explaining or applying the scriptures. And these gifts, these gifts that God has given to the church, he says he's given them to help equip you for the work of the ministry. Let me see. By a show of hands, who's been called to the work of the ministry? Come on. Because you know what? We all have been called. And it becomes our job as leadership to equip you to do that work. That's, that, I mean, that's, that's as simple as it gets. That, that word, equip, I love the Greek. The Greek language is so visual. Kataratismos. Kataratismos. I know I don't expect anybody to remember that, but certainly I want you to remember its implication. Kataratismos. It, it, it literally means to, to repair, make whole, or perfect. It, it speaks of, um, if you're a doctor and he, sp- he spoke about the joints and, and the ligaments coming together. And so it's almost even a medical term in regards to mending of bones. If you break a bone and the two pieces shatter, right? You've got to kind of bring those pieces to come back in together and then you stabilize it so that it doesn't move. And what it does is it begins to build a callus because the blood now is able to flow in the bone. If it, if the bone is displaced, there's no blood flow. Guess what happens? It dies. So in order to get this thing right, you have to align both these bones together 
put them in the same matter where they broke, the blood begins to flow again and creates a, a hard callus around it that then sets the broken bone. So when it's broken, it becomes dysfunctional. But after it has been karatismos, after it has been set and mended, it becomes functional again. Sometimes it could even become stronger than it was the first time. Could be. You better be taking notes, Vino. It also speaks of another another place that karatismos uh, uh, is is uh, used of uh, the mending of nets big hole you get holes in the nets and sometimes crabs or lobsters they're able to they cut through it <laughs> especially you get a you get a spanish uh, lobster and crab you know they pull out the switchblade quick <laughs> start cutting themselves out <laughs> true story true story <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to chase a little rabbit real quick. <laughs> True story. I was visiting Oscar at the Salvation Army uh, the other day. And uh, so we're having a conversation. And so Luca was there. And if you all don't know Luca, he's on the worship team at Yorktown. Another Spanish guy, Puerto Rican. He's got these dreads. He swears he's so fly and cute. Oh. <laughs> so, so we're standing there. And, and we're just having conversation. All of a sudden, we, we, all three of us pull out our knives at the same time. <laughs> And we just open them up and we're standing there comparing. Compa- <laughs> She's looking at us like, do all Puerto Ricans carry knives? I'm not Puerto Rican, no. <laughs> um, but like, would, it, would, it, would it have been better if I pulled out a machete? <laughs> Dominicans are known for machetes, cutting sugar cane. Anywho, mending the net. If we were to take that word katarismos, tekata, and 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 add arizo, it means to adjust, to fit, finish. It means to make something or someone, in this case, the sheep, the flock of God, completely adequate and sufficient for something. The basic idea is that of putting a thing into the condition in which it ought to be, in which it was created to be. The English word equip means to furnish for service or action by appropriate provisioning. Equip describes the supplying with the items needed for a particular purpose. And and both of these definitions provide an excellent picture of the effect the gifted men and women should have on the body of Christ. See, these gifts of ministerial offices of apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers are, are to take the brokenness of people, to kintsugi them, putting them together with a divine glue, something that is more precious than, than silver and gold and platinum. We can begin to put people together with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That that becomes the glue that takes the brokenness of our lives, puts it together, and rather than diminish value, add value. When he could take these broken vessels and make them whole again, and then pour into these broken vessels, his Holy Spirit, shut up. I'm talking about to have the authority of the living God living inside of you and me. Come on, that our resurrecting Christ is resurrecting us. Sugi. 
Purposing us, preparing us fully so that we may be equipped and, or, or fitted out that, that, that we might be able to serve the purpose of the living God himself and be the original creations that he created us to be. How many people, and, and here, let's, let's, let's remove the leadership, let's remove the pastors and, and, and preachers and evangelists. Not, let's, let's take the leadership out of it. Amongst the people, the congregation, how many people have received a miraculous manifestation of God's move in your life based on the prayer of a brother or sister within the congregation? How many? How many? Show hands. How many? Amen. 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 This is it. This is what it's about. Huh? This is what it's about. The true supernatural ministry in the church gives birth to vital spiritually functioning people throughout the whole church family. The body is built up by the mutual efforts of all the members supplying their contributions to the whole. See here at the peak, you're being built up to the measure of a perfect man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We each take a part in this. And that's why I love coming here on a Sunday morning and I, and I kind of sit back and I watch the fellowship. You know, there's sometimes you could, you could almost see a clique forming or, 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 or see a certain group. I love coming here in the morning on a Sunday morning and I see everyone intermingling, praying for one another talking to one another, sharing different stories and testimonies of what God has done throughout the course of the week. See, that's the that's the credibility. That's what gives the testament in regards to the true supernatural work of Christ. You are not dependent upon just one man to bring forth the message. You are dependent on each other to be able to pray for each other and to be able to receive what God has for you. If God has it for you, ain't no man going to be able to hold it back. And so the message for this morning is very simple. Broken things can become blessed things if you let God do the mending. Broken things can become blessed things if you let God do the mending. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. The Peak Community Church is a young, vibrant, life-giving church in the heart of Peekskill. Come and visit us on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. at the historic Elks Club, 1038 Brown Street. Thank you for listening.